It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On Auburn Podcast. Zach Blackerby here with you. Painter Sharpless of ESPN 106.7. And Michael Pappas of ESPN 106.7. Two things. First off, happy Friday, gentlemen. Second off, happy first day of fall camp. Yes, we've made it. Which are you more excited for, Friday or fall camp? Friday. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go later. Are you going to go later? I'll be there. Watch some stretch. Stretch action. Get some quotes about those football players. Yeah, we'll get nothing today, Painter, but you still got to do it. Have the tweet ready in your drafts about one of the quarterbacks. Doesn't matter which one. Throwing the ball really well in shorts. Putting some spin on it. You know, really taking command of the offense and just, his teammates rallying around him. Really try to get that. Be the first one who tweeted that a quarterback looks good I'm in shorts. Now. I'm going to do it right now. Be like, hey, yeah. I think some people would get it and appreciate the joke, actually. You know, so how far do we go on this topic in which it's like the coaches need to protect their hand a little bit, but it's also like you've been coaching in the league for seven years. I mean, I have. I, yes, you yeah. you specifically. I've never lost a game as a head coach. And Gus Malzahn. And like, right. obviously, you know, he's not the only one. Like all the coaches, more or less, act this way. I mean, you get a few that are a little bit more off the cuff. But at what point might it benefit you to be a little bit more lax about it, or does it? Is it like, well, it's it's your perception of how you are going to be treated anyway, regardless of what you say in front of the microphone? Is that part of it? Like, there's no real way to win in front of the microphone unless you're like Nick Saban, you just win most of your games. Yeah, I don't think there's any situation right now for Gus where he wins right now. This isn't this isn't the time of year where he saves his job, other than he needs to make he needs to make the right decision regarding choosing the correct quarterback, mm-hmm. and then obviously installing the best offense for his team to win. But that, to, that's that's how Malzahn. I don't think anything else matters. Right, and to that point, because like one thing I've heard fans say over the off season is like, well, if he were a little bit more transparent or a little bit more open, in front that doesn't of the matter. Microphone, that doesn't that's matter. My, I'm like, you know, I think ultimately, like going eight and five is the problem that you guys have with him, not not how he right. is in front of the microphone. Yeah, I mean, if he's like the the most loose guy, like if he's Spurrier in front of the microphone or whatever, and he goes six and six, like he's still not employed. Well, I can next year. I can see people saying, well, he doesn't care enough if he's too loose. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, people are gonna people are gonna be all over I'm you thinking, regardless. Who are the coaches that don't get hit too much? Like Saban gets hit with being overly critical, but people don't tend to criticize him too much. My initial gut answer to that was out of the conference, so I don't know how relevant it is. Oh, so it's, I mean, Mike Leach. Yeah, because he does like this weird deflecting thing. That's what I was gonna say. Mike Leach is people love him because it's he in, just says the most ridiculous but stuff. I mean, that, dude, that dude locked a kid in a bathroom. And no, like, he didn't. I don't know. Texas <laughs> Texas Tech fired him about it. Yeah, but it also wasn't a bathroom. What but was it? I, I think it like, was. I, to the, I, let, I do want to go back to this because okay. it is an interesting point. But like Leach is accomplishing the same thing Malzahn wants to accomplish, and most coaches do, which is to not talk about their football team. Yeah, he's just doing it in a weird that's, way. That's a great point. That's a great point. I was going to say Belichick and Popovich. Yeah, like Belichick doesn't get questioned too much just because he wins so much. It's like if something happens to go wrong, it's like, well, we played the. Uh, I mean, like as a Patriots fan, I feel like you can attest to this. Like when he does get second guess, people often go, well. It's Bill Belichick. I think he can do what he wants. Yeah, he's done very few things where I've been mad about it. 
And like the la- I can remember the last time I was mad at Bill Belichick. Was it in the Super Bowl? No, I was in college. I'm trying to think what year it was. It may have been 2011 or 2012, but the Pats cut Brandon Merriweather. He had been there like really good safety. It was a first round draft pick, and they cut him. And it's like they had terrible safety play all year. But they went to the Super Bowl that year. They lost to the Giants again. But it's just, and after that, I was like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever he's what he's doing is working. So, and I guess to my point in saying all that is we get close to the season, and, and Gus Malzahn starts routinely getting back in front of the the podium. Like people are going to be frustrated with him regardless unless he's winning and so I, I and I've been someone that because as someone in the media it gets sort of tiresome you know to like cover the same quotes and it's like you almost want him to show a little emotion sometimes after a loss because it's like don't you know doesn't it affect you but I think it yeah. does you just he doesn't have to display it out in the world for everybody well and I've been there the same spot you are too as far as just being frustrated at times about what he's saying over and over again but if you're him it's like, what's your other option have fun at the chiropractor, boss. Thank you. <laughs> we just lost Michael Pappas. He is gone. Lost, but, but, but not But it's like, what else can he say? Like, what else can he do? Yeah, and that's so. that's my ultimate point here. It's like, unless he goes 9-3 and three or better, fans are just going to be unhappy. And there's still going to be fans out there at 9-3 and three with the schedule who I think will be disappointed. Right, so things I think you can expect today. And uh, I think this is still relevant if you're listening to this after, after a Friday, but... What Malzahn says early in camp, specifically on Friday, but you know you, you, we get him every few days for the next few weeks now. But injuries are going to be important. That's really it, uh, I, I, and maybe reps. You know, if he chooses to give you that information, as yeah. far as you know, who's taking reps where. But he'll have to be asked about the quarterbacks because fans want to know. He's going to be tight-lipped about it until he names a starter, and, and once he and, names and, a starter, and that's going to be soon. I don't think we have to wait long for that. And I don't think. Even once he names a starter, like you're going to learn that much more. I think you're just going to hear they're going to tell you the positive things that that guy's doing whenever he's named. Here is the uh, today specifically. I think this will be the most important thing to look for is when they're stretching, when they're doing their warm up drills, whether it's by position or by team. Who's the vocal leader? Is it Joey? Is it Bo? Is it not a quarterback? Is it Derek? Is it Marlon? Who is it, though? Because the thing, and you and I were talking about this earlier, Painter, the thing that blew me away with Jarrett Stidham was he had been in Auburn for five minutes, and when they're doing stretching, he's the one running around, jumping around, yelling at everybody, getting everybody zoned in and excited. And the reigning starter, Sean White, he didn't say anything. He was silent. I mean, the alpha in the room was Jarrett Stidham. So I want to see... Is Joey Gatewood the alpha on this team early on in practice? And we'll be able to tell. It'll be either it's very clear to tell who's like who's the alpha in a situation, right? I think we both can agree on that. So the issue with that is that's not who Joey Gatewood is. Joey Gatewood's not this vocal guy, get in your face guy. He's the guy that's like, all right, I'm gonna work harder than you, and then when I get my chance, I'm gonna run the play correctly, I'm gonna throw the football while I'm gonna run hard. So I think that would push him to be outside of his comfort zone. But if he's able to do that and you see that, it's over. Might as well name him now. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm... Uh, There's I'm not a whole lot to add to that, I don't think. I but. don't think so, and I, I'm curious to see, uh, see what happens. I, I think I would tend to agree that at this point, if, if they were going to name a guy today, it would be Joey. And I also think you're right when you've said in the past... It usually is obvious to the players and coaches 
sometimes it just has to be said aloud. And when the coaches decide that best time is, will be interesting. I, I'm fascinated to know how long they wait. Malzahn, understandably, has said, hey, I, I want to make this decision sooner rather than later. NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to the Locked On Auburn Podcast. All right, so I've got two questions that I kind of want to be the key for the rest of the show. One's kind of a more fun one, and then one is a question from the gloat, uh, Colonel Steve. Maybe you've heard of him. But the, uh, the first one, and I saw this asked on some Instagram page that I follow, but somebody asked, if you could pick one player in the NFL to be all 22 starters, like if you just had clones of that player, who would it be? And, of course, the obvious answer there is J.J. Watt. But my question is, if you had to pick one Auburn player on this team that you got clones of them and they had to start at all 22 positions on, all, on offense and defense – who are you picking? Off the top of my head, I want to say Harold Joyner, simply because he's athletic. He's the right size to play a number of positions well. Um, so that would be a guy from an athletic standpoint that would make a lot of sense. If you're going off of that same thing, you might say Joey Gatewood, just because of his measurables, his That's athleticism. I think you got to pick a defensive guy, just because I don't know if offensive guys can tackle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if a, if Derek Brown can throw like a tight spiral. That's fair. But I, my my my, my I would probably say Nick Cove. That's I'm going. That, that's my. I answer. mean, just out of pure upside and athleticism, especially on the defense side of the ball, you could probably throw Igbenogany in that category. You just don't get any line presence if you do that, right? Yeah. I, so I think that yeah, you know, I wonder. Is this the most athletic team Malzahn's had? We definitely, I think it's the, I know it's the thought I've had, and I would be curious to hear if you disagree. I think it is. If, is this the most athletic team he's had since he's been the head coach? And I mean, we've we've pretty much assumed it's the deepest team he's had in terms of the, the combination of some experience, some young talent, and just general, you know, I think, the, I think the roster and the way they've recruited over the last five years has been good. Yeah, I mean, the 2013 and 14 teams were both pretty athletic. And then... Yeah, that Last, 14 team was dirty, and they only lost, I think, five guys from the, that team that went to the national title. Right. I mean, a lot of people would expect them to be a lot better. Yeah, and then last year's roster and this year's roster, I mean, they're, they're both really, really good teams. And it's kind of been the situation where Malzahn's put himself in this crummy situation because he's got a better roster than pretty much every team he's going to play this year, except for maybe... LSU, Georgia, Alabama. Boom, that's it. Florida you could quarrel with. I don't think Texas A&M is there. And I don't think Florida is quite there yet either. To Two be years, honest. I think that's different. But, right, but this year, I, I think Auburn's ahead of should them. be. I mean, when you look at the state, they have a huge advantage yeah. in the way that they can recruit just in state. And Texas A&M being the only Texas school to say, hey, play in the SEC. Yeah, and, and Jimbo's been a good recruiter wherever he's been. That's so true. I, I think that you know Auburn is – it is interesting that Auburn is often in the top 10, top 15 in recruiting under Gus Malzahn. And, like, you know, there's still usually five five SEC schools in front of them. Right. But, yeah, so he's got a better roster going into all these games. And, and it's kind of like what Nick Saban has done at Alabama or Dabo in, in Clemson. It's like if either of them lose a game, 
they have underachieved as head coach because they have better they have a better roster than the team that they're playing against. And it's like Malzahn, he'll have better guys and he'll lose games he's not supposed to. Yeah, there's no excuse to losing to Tennessee last year. I mean, that was, in my opinion, terrible. the worst loss of his career. And and then I think about that Mississippi State game. And Awful. I know that Mississippi State had an, an actually very, very impressive defensive line. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, outside of that, now you knew that their quarter you could their quarterback really couldn't throw the ball more than ten yards down the field like reliably. Yeah, that's another one where I get it. If you lose to LSU, even though it's at home, mm-hmm. that's an athletic team. I get it. You lost to Georgia and Alabama on the road, but I, 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 the state and Tennessee losses were just bad. Yeah, I agree with you. So that's kind of been my thing. Is like Malzahn's in a good situation as far as him building a good team. They recruit well. But it's like if they lose to all those teams that you just mentioned, it's it's over. It's done for them. Yeah, and like in 17, it was a little more excusable, I think, outside of the UCF game because, like, I get it when you lost. Like, I'm trying to – I'm going through my head. The and, UCF game is still so weird to me because no one cared about it and until then they, they lost. lost. And then it's like, what? What But it is one of those games where, while I do understand, like, that point of it, like, going into it, there was a real meh feeling from Auburn fans. Sure. And, like, had they won, it would have been, like, golf clap. They, they should have. But I also think they should have. There's really no scenario I in agree. which they should have lost that game. I agree. All right, so the USA Today coaches poll came out yesterday, yep. like three yep. minutes after we uploaded the podcast, because that's how things work. Auburn comes in at number 16. Oregon is number 13. And I think they play every team in the top 10. That's an exaggeration, but it's still crazy. So Clemson at one, Alabama at two, Georgia at three, Oklahoma at four, Ohio State at five, LSU at six, Michigan at seven. That's crazy. Florida at eight. That's surprising. Notre Dame at nine, and then Texas at ten. <laughs> okay. I think Florida's a little over overrated um, in this, but when you start looking at them and A and M, it's like, uh, well, who else would be there? You know, like I think people are really high on A and M, and I think they're a year ahead of themselves. I think it's going to be a good A and M team. I don't think mm-hmm. next year is a year. I think they push for the SEC West. Kalamon's a sophomore this year. Are they losing him? I actually think when when he has a different guy in that. Oh, you, th- you think the guy after Mon is when they take the step? I don't disagree because he's not a Jimbo-type quarterback, so I could see that. He's a junior. Okay. So Th- This year he's a junior? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. And to be fair, he might very well turn into, with one more year, a guy that's excellent. And, and so we'll see. He could be a good senior. Yeah, for sure. Do you think Auburn at 16 makes sense? Yeah, I think it's a great spot for Auburn. I uh, think yeah. both from the way that they tend to do historically with where they start the season – Somewhere between 15 and 25 is a pretty good spot for them. And uh, a lot of the teams in front of them I I don't quarrel with. Um, I think Florida, people are loving them just a little too much. But I I get it because they'll probably win most of their games in the East except for that Georgia game. And they they should take it. They should be better this year. Michigan in top 10 is a joke. Uh, I think this year they like I get why people are like hesitant because like you got to beat Ohio State and last year was such a good opportunity to do it. Nobody's nobody in the Big Ten is beating Ohio State. And so I, I mean. I get it. Shea Patterson's back. That defense will be good. Um, this is a legitimate reason to feel like this could be the year for them. But also, you keep looking at some of these past years and going, can they get over the problem that is Ohio State? And I don't think they can. But, you know, if they win everything else, though, I mean, I guess that does leave you in the top and, 10. And I think, too, they had such a sour end. Like, the thing we remember in Michigan for is getting blown out in their rivalry game against Ohio State and right. then going and playing a bad game against Florida and getting absolutely just steamrolled that's a good point point. and so like it definitely left a team that felt like it was vying 
for for playoff odds or at least getting in that conversation was just nah. the NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day you're listening to the Locked On Auburn podcast, and let's uh, let's take a question from uh, from the gloat, if you will, Colonel Steve, our guy. He gave us some love. Um, I gotta find his question. All right, here we go. At Locked On Auburn recommendation recommendations you would give Gus and Auburn football. I would tell him to rotate Big Cat and Tadarian at Buck and rotate Co and Davidson at defensive end. Need speed in our pass rush thoughts. How about us? Um, my biggest thing is the defensive backs. I still think Javaris Davis needs to be in the middle of the field. I think that is extremely important for what Auburn does defensively, and I think that's a big reason why Auburn has been successful over the past uh, few years since Kevin Steele's been there. A lot of talk about the defensive line, a lot of talk about linebackers, but they have had solid play in the middle of the field from their defensive backs every single year. And they've had good guys on the outside like Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, you know, since they've had this defensive run that have allowed you to do more. And I think they're going to have that with Noah. So put these guys on the inside, put Noah on the best receiver, and just let, let, let's see what happens. Let them play football. One, a lot of one-on-one matchups, and I think Auburn wins a lot of those. I am fascinated to see how the linebacker core does because the coaching staff is talking about them with such confidence. And these guys have played a good bit. They just haven't had a lot of starts. And we've seen at other schools, that's a position where, especially I think Alabama has been the model of consistency there. A guy goes pro. He's been, he's either a redshirt sophomore or a junior. He steps in and he's ready to go and has a tremendous season. And off he goes to the NFL. That's sort of the cycle. And I'm not saying Auburn's going to be cycling players to the NFL quite like that, but the rhythm of not missing a beat just about every year at the position is, is fascinating. And I think Auburn thinks they're there with with the current players they have at linebacker. And there's obviously a ton of reason to be excited about Papo. You mentioned the secondary. Everybody seems to be giddy about Noah Igbenogany. And you've got plenty of depth at safety. We sort of talked recently about depth at cornerback. That's a little bit of a concern if there's any injuries there. But I think you're right. This, uh, this secondary is probably... I think the position group that may not be getting enough love is that is that something that you can buy or are you are you still holding out on that judgment? I, I'm cool with it. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. So what uh, what recommendation would you give Gus and Auburn football? I think mine would be more on the offensive side of the ball, and I'd like to see the the ball in the hands of explosive guys a little more often, and that may vary like in different times of the season. But I thought last year. And, and they see so much more than we do at practice, and they know kind of the limits of the guys' skill sets and what the defense is taking away. But I thought there were times last year where they could have gone to young players like Schwartz and Williams a little more often. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and one thing that has been discussed a lot is, is Gus Malzahn and running certain kinds of routes and how it helps the quarterback or hurts the offense. And I'm curious to see how they mix in a variety of, of, of routes this year if they'll do that because seemingly Auburn has had no greater upside at the wide receiver position since he's been here, right. at least in terms of how many guys 
are playmakers at the position. And some of that is speculation because I think Matthew Hill is going to be a really good player. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I don't know. I think Zach Farrar is going to be a contributor. But What about Seth know. Williams? Do you like him? I, th- I think we know where I stand on <laughs> Seth Williams. But, you know, I mean, he... Who, who loves who more? Do you love Seth Williams more? Or do I love Sean Shivers more? I think you love Sean Shivers more. I okay. do. I love Seth Williams and his upside, and I like his physicality and, and how he was used. But uh, I get the love for Sean Shivers. And the idea of being a little guy and not carrying yourself that way. And uh, plus, you know, elite speed's fun. Like he has, because Anthony Schwartz is so fast, he gets always mentioned in that conversation. But Shivers is... They're like the same speed. Yeah, I mean, it's so... And Shivers so t- moves better. It's such a tiny difference that outside of track I'm not sure it matters all that much right I'd rather also not have to tackle Shivers I would like to run next to one of them just once just to see like just to get a like just a, maybe an appreciation 50 yards for or so just to see like by the I'd commit to a full hundred meter because that's their craft right that they have sure. gotten close to perfecting so like I want to be like that and, and I want to work at it give me two months to work at it just to where like all right, maybe I get a little bit better. Maybe I'm like a hair below average, the average human shape. being. Sure. Um, and I just want to see that happen. I just want to see like what that looks like. You know what I mean? It's going to be a fun uh, fun preseason camp. I'm glad it's here. Fall camp is, uh, is near us. Justin Ferguson just walked in the building. Yes. That's we crazy. see him through the window. I, uh, I just motioned him in, and it looks like he's got to take a call. I think he's about to do a radio hit. He, he usually a, does this time on Friday. He is a big deal. We I'll love you him, what. don't we? I like your recommendation of, hey, Gus, hey, Auburn coaching staff, don't be afraid to use your talented young guys. Because that's been a big, big uh, common complaint from Auburn fans is, all right, the younger guys are better. Why aren't they playing? That's my thing with I don't I'm not confident they're gonna give Shivers more touches than Cam Martin because of that. Because they like playing the older guys. And I get the whole loyalty thing and all that, but that's been that I think that's a great answer to that question. I'm fascinated to see how they use the wide receivers because I've never felt so excited about a group at Auburn that could make watching it really like watching this team really fun if the offensive line figures it out. And the running attack gets back to where it typically has been when Gus Malzahn has had SEC West runs. Like you mix in that wrinkle, it was using those wide receivers effectively. Yeah. I mean, I think about Darvin Adams and Terrell Zachary. I think about Sammy Coates and Duke Williams and in, in 13. Right. Uh, or excuse me, in 14. Like there were moments where it was like the, the, when, when the balance was there, there wasn't much defenses could do. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they're at a place where they could get back to that if things fall correctly yeah it goes back to you know who's going to be that number two to Seth and I mean Matthew Hill's a good answer I just I don't know I just hadn't really heard anything about that or seen anything about that you know this team's fascinating to me because I think that it is a legitimately super talented team and it's like we're all just waiting for something to drop where it doesn't work Mm -hmm. and a lot of that has to do with six of the top 13 teams in that poll you just read out being on the schedule. It's brutal. Um, and, you know, you can probably expect one of those teams to underachieve, but there may be a team that's not in that group that I bet overachieves. A lot of them, I bet a lot of them do. I bet a lot of them underachieve. Yeah, well, you know, like when a and ranked 11th and Auburn's 16th and Florida's, what, 8 on there? Like mm. Texas is 10th. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. I know you're talking about the teams that Auburn yeah, was playing, no, but, but I, mean, I didn't say that earlier. I think about the way Texas finished the season – Getting there, you know, Ellinger coming back, uh, Herman having another season now. People want Texas to be good. All those factors contributing to them being in the top ten. I guess. 
I guess. I mean, but, and like, I think you're right. I mean, obviously Auburn's schedule is brutal, and just seeing seeing it in in pole form, it, it it's not surprising. Florida's higher than I would have expected, but they certain. I mean, you can justify it for sure. And so I, I think Texas A and M has a chance to get up there at some point in the season. Uh, Oregon certainly does, depending especially on how that first and game Utah. goes. Right. Um, but don't I mean when we when you look at this team, don't you look at the roster and go like most of the coaches in the league would be happy to have this roster. I mean, I think Georgia and Alabama and maybe LSU would keep theirs. It's it's weird because it's like it's a win now roster on defense. It's a win next year roster on offense. So what does that mean? I don't know what it means. I, yeah, but I think I mean when I think about the offensive line turnover next year, like I have real question marks about. Like that's a good point. You that's know, a great point. I mean, the receivers, the quarterback, and the running back situation. You're right. In 2020, all do look pretty good mm-hmm. as long as the quarterbacks just don't terribly disappoint this year. But then you look at how atrocious Auburn was, especially in the first half of the season. Really, three quarters of the way through the season last year, with an offensive line that had about 20 starts. Next year, I mean, it'll be less than that. Panda, where can people find you and hear you? ESPN 106.7. The lunch break from 11 to oh, one. Yeah. Oh, Justin Ferguson. Yeah. Painter. We love it. We love it. Don't we folks? And at paint sharpless <laughs> on Twitter, check it out. We'd love to have you listen to both the Auburn podcast and the lunch break. Or we locked, do a lot locked of the on same. Auburn. Yeah. The yeah. locked on Auburn podcast. The locked on Auburn. It's a new era, podcast. man. It's a yeah, new era. I'm living in the past. My bad folks. You got to move on, dude. You got to move on. Sorry. <laughs> That's painter sharpless. I'm Zach Blackerby on Twitter at Z Blackerby. This has been another edition of the locked on Auburn podcast. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.